Hello and welcome to Virago Voices podcast. Podcast number six. This podcast is all about women's empowerment. Today's podcast is entitled Rachel. I know Rachel from an event we attended back in 2015 where we had both been selected to represent our respective nations at an international conference that was co-hosted by Dove on all things body positivity and self-loving. The conference was called Women in the World and was attended by women like Meryl Streep, Theresa May and we even met Cara Delevingne. My friend Rachel is caring. As a physics teacher, she is a strong woman in STEM who is a role model for all her pupils, particularly the girls. From Rachel, I have learned compassion. She has taught me to recognise that everyone has a story and this influences how they act. Therefore, to always be aware of this when interacting with others. I hope you enjoy our conversation with the Virago that is Rachel. So hi Rachel, welcome to Virago Voices podcast and congratulations on being our first virtual podcast. Um, Hello. Hey, so excuse the sound quality everyone, Um, this has been done virtually due to well distance and COVID and all the usual excuses, Um, so it might not sound as great as it usually does but um, I think it'll be all right. Um, so yeah, hi Rachel, how are you doing? I'm okay, yeah, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. Just got the Sunday night, like, sadness of Monday morning tomorrow. <laughs> oh, I know. I always feel, I always feel Sundays are the day where you put all preparation into the start of your week. Like, I know. you've got pre- preparation on a Sunday, then the rest of your week should, should sort of fall I'll work, I guess. Yeah. Cross, anyway. <laughs> hopefully. Hopefully. Fingers crossed for this week. Yeah, that's the plan anyway. Yeah, and you've got a busy week coming up. Yeah, so I go back to work this week full time. So that'll be interesting. It'll be a new challenge, but it'll certainly be a shock to the system, I think. On just, just the busyness as well. I think schools without kids feels so so empty and it's not until you realize how busy they are when all of the kids start arriving you think it's actually a really really busy workplace Mm. constantly yeah and covid's really affected how you go about your work hasn't it yeah it's, it's a tricky one um i think there are lots of jobs that we've realized during covid that actually can be done at home um, but I think teaching is one of those professions where there's actually quite a few challenges that make it a little bit more difficult um, when you're when you've not got those face-to-face interactions with your pupils mm-hmm. it can, be, can be tricky yeah yeah it's it's not very nice as well kind of being I not being able to see people yeah I, th- I think as well you know you're in that kind of teaching profession a lot of your your job is about building relationships and that can be tricky when 
you've not got your pupils in front of you to build those relationships it can make your make your job a little bit more challenging yeah yeah that's interesting um so I'll get started with our questions they probably will tie into what we've been talking about um so what's your life goal um I'd say for me the goal isn't isn't about more money um, but I think being able to ensure my family can live comfortably um, and being able to live life on my own terms so without any sort of financial worries um, I think as you, you grow up you become a little bit more aware of the, the sacrifices your parents have, have made for you um, and they've, they've provided me with the best possible start in life so I think you're your sort of goal is to to make sure that you're able to live comfortably but your family are also able to live comfortably um and so I think that's probably a personal goal for me in terms of career goals I think probably to have a successful career you have to really figure out what you're passionate about um you know you've got to love what you do in order to to sort of get up in the morning and to thrive, you know, and, yeah. and my passion is obviously is education. Um, and it, it's been probably a passion for quite a long time. And I think I've, I've thought about it a lot into why do I care so much about it? Um, and I think the, the obvious answer is that it just has the power to, to change your life, you know, without that sounding such a big answer. It really does have the power to to change your life and your your circumstances and sort of harbour that change. Yeah, I love that. Do you know, I think, do you know, the, the, it's, it's, there's that very, we're, we're aware that there are so many children around the world who are not as privileged to, to have an education mm-hmm. or to have access to that education. And we, we know that quite often where you stay will determine your likelihood for success mm-hmm. um, and so uh, I guess a career goal would be to to reduce that attainment gap to reduce that inequality because um, I don't think we should we should be living in a world where where education feels more of a privilege to know education should be a right yeah um, but it, but the reality is that for many, it, it's not. Yeah. And I love I love that you, that you talk about it has the power to change someone's life because it does. It has the power to lift people out of poverty. And I think that's yeah, amazing. I think, yeah, I think it, it, you really, you have, you can be given this tool and it's such a powerful tool um, where you you could not only change your life, but you could change your your family's life. Mm-hmm. And and that for me, I, I spent some time in Malawi um, when I was studying at university. I spent some time over there, and as as cliched as that sounds, it really was life changing mm-hmm. um, because it made me so aware of of my privilege um, because I had access to an education. Um, which is something I think 
re- sort of reminded me throughout university and probably encouraged me to, although I was was very academic and I was very, I was already very focused and determined, but it, it gave me that, that motivation to, to strive for success because I knew how privileged I was to have this education and I, it would be, it felt wrong for me to then waste that opportunity because I knew there were so many people who would would jump at that that opportunity. Mm-hmm. That takes so much insight as well. It's a really admirable quality that you know you could ha- you could look at that and be like, you know, I've got so much privilege, I need to use it wisely. That that's really admirable. I love that. I think I think it's probably always something that I've tried to instill in my pupils mm-hmm. you know, to highlight the the fact that. We are actually very lucky to, yeah. to have these opportunities, and there there are so many opportunities out there if you are willing to be motivated enough to then seek those opportunities out. And we should never we should never um, for, forget how lucky we are um, to live 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 the life we lead. I guess, and I think I think for me, um, I learned so much in Malawi. You know, it wasn't, mm-hmm. I was, I felt like they were teaching me more than I was teaching them. Yeah. Um, because I think they, they taught me something maybe not everyone would, would learn in life or maybe wouldn't learn so early on, but they taught me, I guess, the meaning of happiness. Yeah. Um, I think I was. I remember I was sleeping on concrete floor without any electricity, um, but I was—I remember those times as being one of the happiest of memories, um, because there was that strong sense of community. You were part of something, and although we were living in very basic living conditions, the, the sort of the sense of community and togetherness—you sort of realised that actually all of those materialistic things that you have at home they're they're irrelevant to to your happiness they can make you happy for a very short short moment but actually I would say happiness is comes from things that you can't physically possess you know they come from within or they come from being with people and spending time with people building those relationships yeah no I totally agree and do you think society has altered our kind of perception of happiness? Yeah, I think we live in a, a world where we think by if we buy more things or we buy the, the newer version or the shinier version, then we're going to be more happier. And I think it can be quite damaging to get into that mindset where we're always looking for something better and yeah. something newer. And actually when we take a step back and we realise, but are we actually any happier? I don't, I don't think we are. Um, Whereas I felt like I learned that at quite a young age where I was spending time um, at night. We obviously, because there was no electricity, we didn't, we didn't have um, access to internet. And so you would be spending your time at night playing cards together. And that's something at home, I would probably never do because we'd have, um, we would have access to Wi-Fi, and so we would spend time probably alone in our rooms. Um, whereas when we, when we were in Malawi, we were spending time 
spending time together as a community and I think that's important I think that is that is where happiness comes from yeah I think so and and in terms of social media as well I think that causes a bit of a rat race like you're talking about you're always wanting the better thing and, and thinking that you know if you get that thing you'll be happy yeah I think they're the pressure Mm-hmm. Um, from social media then sort of feeds into that always wanting something a little bit better um, and it can be tricky to step away from that and decide that that's not the kind of life that you want and that actually I'm not any happier with something that's newer you know I am sort of stepping out of that race a little bit I guess yeah um, so I, yeah I think back, thinking back to life goals I think I want to to continue to be appreciative of the life I have and I guess have maybe more stories to tell instead of materialistic things to necessarily show I would much rather have more stories that I would be able to tell from experiences I've had yeah yeah I really like that as a life goal that's so lovely yeah and I think on the topic of you know education um and if we're talking about women specifically it's I just think as a comment I think it's incredible how much an education can change a woman's life worldwide um so I think you know what you're doing is is incredible um and it's really important especially yeah I think I think education is always is always the key I yeah think when we see things that are going on in the world you know we need to focus on education in order to to make some positive change and positive difference yeah and especially um for you as a woman in stem um you know encouraging other women into your kind of field is really important as well yeah i think the it's key to have those positive role models yeah um to, to encourage you um, and I think I've been very grateful to have those positive role models um, within my workplace and also at university I was very grateful actually um, when I was studying at university I never felt like um, a female physicist mm-hmm. um, I, fe- I felt like a physicist no one I never felt that I was treated differently because of my gender um, yeah. and I think I was very lucky I guess in a sense that I didn't feel that yeah um because I know that that's maybe not a feeling that other students may feel which is crazy because you shouldn't feel I mean not that you shouldn't feel lucky to not be treated like that but that shouldn't be the norm of like oh I expect to be treated like a female physicist and you know what I mean yeah I know I know but no, I'm glad you didn't experience that. Yeah, but I think yeah, it's all about positive role models. Mm-hmm. And, Definitely. Um, I think it's just encouraging everyone into not just females, but you know, everyone into STEM and making it as inclusive as possible. But I think also making other subjects also more inclusive mm-hmm. for for males. You know, I think it works both ways. I think in order to improve the the gender balance within STEM, we also need to focus on improving gender balances, say, 
in um, sort of food, food technology or yeah. um, performance. You know, I, I think it needs to be uh, something that is uh, something that we we improve the diversity amongst all subjects and yeah. not focusing solely on one subject to improve um, the uptake for, for women within STEM. Yeah, it's it's totally getting rid of that gender, genderizing subjects. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, great life goal. Um, second question, um, what would you tell 16-year-old you? Um, I would probably tell my 16-year-old self to stop striving for perfection. Um, I think as a teenager, I wasn't scared of spiders or heights. I was most scared of, of failure, I guess, and that, that fear of what would happen if I failed. Um, and I think... It's only maybe something I've learned to do recently of, of stop striving for perfection. And I think it can be something that can be quite difficult um, to challenge or to change because in, in society, perfectionism is often seen as that positive flaw. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, a, it's almost seen as a compliment that, oh, well... You know, you have such high expectations because you are a perfectionist. Um, so it's got almost that that stamp of approval from society that it's a that's a positive thing. Where in actual fact, it can have quite a damaging impact, I guess, on on yourself. And I guess sometimes it can have an impact on your well being. Yeah, definitely. Um, I remember. When I was at university, I used to impose these exceptionally high expectations and high standards for myself um, academically. And although that always looked great on paper, it was quite damaging because you were then valuing yourself against a set of results. Yeah. You know, instead of actually your results you know your results are just a very small part of of what you're like you know they're they're not they should not your results should not um your your results should you should not decide that you are then good because you have high results and you are then bad if you have low results that's not the way things should work and um i sort of that was the way that I would sort of see things when I was at university and it was more that pressure that I put on myself um, certainly not a view that I had for, for other people, for my friends or anything. It was more those exceptionally high standards for myself. And I, I remember asking for feedback. It was one of my final final assignments at university. And I had achieved, um, I think it was around, it was around 97% um, in an assignment. And, and at the time, I could only focus on that 3%. I could only see the 3% which I could see, which I thought was wrong. Mm. Um, and, you know, looking back, I realised, what were you thinking? Do you know what? Like 97%, that is, 
it's such an amazing yeah, result exactly. to get in one of the one of your final year sort of assignments but I was so focused on that three percent um and I remember asking sent um asking the lecturer for feedback and him not him looking at me thinking I don't have a clue why why is she so focused on this three percent what's mm. Like, like, and I just, I wanted to find, I wanted everything to be a hundred percent. Everything was always, was quite black or white. Um, and I became so fixated on achieving that, that first class degree without actually taking a step back and appreciating, I guess, I was doing really well at university. Um, and I guess you start to, as a perfectionist, you have to be become more aware of listening to that inner critic, and and um, you have to. I guess you have a choice whether you listen to that or start to start to challenge it a little bit more. Um, but I guess again, it's it's described as such a positive flaw um, because you're praised obviously for your your high expectations and your work ethic and. There reaches a point where you realise that actually this is unhealthy. This is not having a positive impact on you, on me. Yeah. Um, and I guess it, when I think about um, what would I tell my my sixteen year old self about the fact that I was scared of failing, I think the perfectionism sort of was sort of fueling that fear of fear of failure. Yeah. And um, what do you have any advice for for you know young women who who do feel like that you know where they they have such high standards for themselves that it kind of does dwarf the happiness of any results yeah. that they do obtain. Um, I think it's. I think you want to sort of validate your feelings that you have mm-hmm. these high expectations do you know and there is there's no point in you know trying to try it's not it's for me it's not about setting low lower expectations yeah um because that's not the way that i I see myself now I don't see that i I don't feel like I've lowered my expectations I feel like I've maybe given myself a little bit more space and more sort of room for manoeuvre. Um, and I think probably to to think think how you're going to feel in 10 years' time. You know, you don't want to be looking back in 10 years' time thinking, um, actually, I was doing, doing really well, you know, and I wish that I had maybe given myself... I don't know some just some acknowledgement and yeah. actually cel- cel- you know celebrating your success. You d- you don't want that, and it can it's a tricky thing. You know it really mm-hmm. is, and I can I, I see that among like within my pupils a lot. Yeah, you um, must do. But I think it's I think it's about validating your feelings that it's it's really normal and really common to have these high expectations, and mm-hmm. and of course it's it's. It is great that you are so determined that you want to to be successful. Yeah, but I think it can sometimes come at a cost. 
And I don't think, I think there needs to reach a point where you decide that enough is enough and actually there needs, there needs to be some sort of change. But I think that change comes within. I don't think someone can set that for you. Yeah. And I think what you're saying about, you know, that being that kind of perfectionism, um, but being classed in society as a positive flaw is actually really important because, you know, everyone strives to be that kind of perfect um, when they're studying, but actually, like, that's that's probably unhealthy as well. I like the positive flaw, actually. I think it's a really great term for it. Yeah, it's it's one of those those things that people will compliment you on, mm-hmm. but perhaps you're the one who can appreciate the the compliment, but also see the other side to it, where there is actually there is an underlying cat has the possibility, I guess, to be damaging. Yeah. Um. And and yeah. It's, it's about self-awareness, I think. Definitely. And I actually, and I really like what you said about validating your own feelings. And I think you can apply that to so many different aspects of your life. Um, you know, when you feel sad about something or especially as a woman feeling emotional about things to actually sit yeah. back and not beat yourself up about it, but to say, you know, this is how I feel and this is, I'm just going to accept that. Yeah, I think it's definitely reassuring to when you do validate your feelings and you label that and you say, well, I'm feeling this way because of X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And I think that in itself, you get a lot of reassurance from that. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I don't think that, that reassurance doesn't always have to come from family and friends. You know, you can reassure yourself that, actually if this was a friend then you would be saying to your friends that the way they're feeling is normal yeah and I also um, I think we need to to normalize those feelings that actually it's okay to be to be upset or to be sad or to be down or to be anxious or you know, frustrated these yeah. feelings are completely normal you're not going to go through um your life feeling happy all of the time and I sometimes Seems worry that the that social media can sometimes suggest that that is the case. Yeah. That you are happy all of the time, um, and that in itself, I think, can be be damaging. Oh, definitely. Um, and I guess kind of fuel perfectionism to a certain extent. Oh yeah. There's that expectation that you had to appear um like you are living your life or you're living the dream I guess all of the time and the reality is no one really is you know yeah it's not realistic because it is just a highlight reel we've said that before on the podcast it's everyone's highlights yeah Yeah, totally it's it's always it's I think I I think that's that's something I would want to probably um, advise and highlight to young people that um, social media, you know, there's only a really small part that is is your life. Do you know, it's not a hundred percent of your life. It's only the snapshots of yeah. of the best parts. Um, and I think 
I actually decided that I would take a step back from from social media, um, certainly on a on a personal level, um, because I just didn't. It didn't feel like I was being authentic, um, mm. and I know that it has so many positives. It really does. That social media can be great, um, but for me, I didn't feel. I felt like my photos were very staged and filtered, like beyond mm. the point that they they no longer resemble that that moment in time. Yeah, um, you know, it wasn't about it wasn't the picture. There had been so many pictures that had been taken previously before I decided that that was the 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 one that I was going to choose to share. And mm-hmm. I thought I'm spending all of this time getting this Instagram worthy picture to share to hundreds of followers that actually don't really know me, you know, and are they really my friends, you know, because my friends and family wouldn't, wouldn't bother about me getting this perfect photo. Yeah. Um, and for me, it's what, it wasn't healthy. Um, to be constantly comparing yourself, um, to other people on, on social media. Um, because you end up, um, you know, you end up valuing your your self worth against, say, the number of likes or followers you have, and and that that isn't great for your for your well being. No, and it goes back to what you're saying. Uh, you know, the happiness comes within, and it's not from followers or likes or or you know things. It's from your own feeling in, in yourself. Yeah, I, I do think that um, when you begin to accept yourself, then you you set your standards. You, you sort of set that new game for yourself, where you just you're sort of more in control, I guess, of your happiness because you've accepted yourself. Yeah, um, and I guess that is probably when I decided to take a step back from being on social media, I think I then stepped out of that race. Yeah. I probably never wanted wanted to be in in the first place, but it was more um, that was what everyone was doing, so I would do it too. Um, mm. And I made just that conscious choice that I didn't want to be part of that anymore. Um, and I would say I probably lead quite a, a private life um, but I still obviously share photos with with close family and friends, but they're photos which make me genuinely happy, opposed to photos that have maybe taken twenty minutes before I've, I've approved before I would then share it online. Yeah, that's great. That is great advice. Yeah. Okay, so for our final question, um, what does being a woman mean to you? Um, I think that's quite a tricky question, actually. Um, <laughs> it is. It's a really tricky question. Um, and I think, you know, I've thought about it a lot um, because women are so unique. Um, but I guess the the similarity, anyway, I, amongst the women which surround me um, is their unconditional support. Um and I'm very lucky to have that support network around me um, because it, it provides me with the, the confidence to 
to complete things that I maybe would not complete without their support. Um, and so I guess that for me, that's that's what a woman um, means to me um, is providing other women with support and um, lifting other women up um, as well as lifting themselves up. Um, I think is that really there's very real pressure for women to get married and and have children maybe less now compared to before but that I think that pressure still exists Mm -hmm. um and I guess you know that pressure is is quite often that those those societal expectations that you to grow up go to university and married and have children um and I guess as I've gotten a little bit older, um, I've probably become more aware of that expectation. Um, and I guess that can sometimes be tricky um, because I think um, I know that's not what I want. You know, I know that um, that's not something that I think at the moment anyway um, it's it's not what I want, and that can be tricky because you are then going against those those expectations that, that um, society has on you. Yeah. Um, and I guess you just you have to you have to be able to have the confidence to then go against go against the grain. Um, mm. But I think we you know we need to um, get over the, the the fact or get over the illusion that that there is then somebody out there to complete you. Yeah. And that if you if if you're not with someone then you are somehow incomplete. Yeah. And I don't and I think that is very much an illusion that that if you are not in a relationship then then you are somehow incomplete. And I think that's what we need to work work on, I guess. And um, that you can be just as happy um, single as you would be, um, as someone would be if they were married or married with children. Or um, I think, you know, happiness, you can get happiness within any sort of setup that, that works for you. Yeah. That isn't something that is, is, that is expected of you, I guess. Yeah. No, I think that's a really good point. And I think what you said on completeness, it's, it's kind of a societal stereotype it's it's in the linguistics of how we describe single men and single women we call single men bachelors and single women spinsters I mean that alone is bad enough yeah and it's it's makes you then grow up thinking that that is then what you you don't want to there's that that fear that you don't want to end up alone and with you know there's there's that joke that oh I'm going to end up alone with cats Mm -hmm. you know and you think actually we need to be challenging those those stereotypes and that you could be alone but you could be single but have lots of family and friends around you and that that to me doesn't sound like a negative thing at all no definitely not um and I think it all comes down to choice Mm -hmm. um with you really thinking what you want and not what other people maybe expect from you. Um, because I think if you then go along, go, I 
success go along with what people are expecting from you further down the line you then realize that actually this is not what you want and you could then end up being quite unhappy because you've made you've not really made the choices that you've wanted or you've not perhaps made any choice at all yeah um but I do think that can be tricky and I think that comes from from confidence um and having the confidence to um trust your trust yourself I guess and trust your own choices yeah yeah that's that's so great and I think it for women it's getting it's getting better in that sense which is amazing yeah I think that we are working on um becoming more independent and challenging more more views and stereotypes of what what we should be doing opposed to um, maybe what we want to do. Yeah. Um, I certainly feel that I've probably developed that confidence through travelling alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, um, although I guess I don't always feel when I'm travelling alone, I know that I am probably going against against um I don't know, against the green in a sense. Yeah. Not many people do travel alone. Um but I that's I guess where I've developed my confidence because I've had to um and sort of um I don't know, really push myself outside my comfort zone. Um, yeah. Because it's not been something that I've wanted to do. I'm not really I don't like the idea of um, waiting for for someone or waiting for to go with someone. I don't want to to miss out on any opportunities. And so um, that is probably why I do quite a lot of travelling on my own because I think, you know, I don't want to look back on my life and say, oh, you know, I didn't have someone to travel with. You know, I don't think... I think I would then regret quite a lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, come with travelling, I think there then comes the, there are times where as women, we do feel unsafe travelling. And I know that I have felt, if not always felt safe travelling, I guess, on my own. Um, but then that fear of losing the confidence to travel is, is much greater than not, is much greater than travelling on my own. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's that's probably why I then push through those uncomfortable, I guess, uncomfortable perks of being a female, I like to call it. <laughs> I think there's, try to say that as sarcastically as possible. <laughs> there's plenty just, of them as well. <laughs> there, are, there are quite a few. Um, but I think you know, travelling is, is liberating. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess travelling travelling alone can, can really, you you get to experience things and, you know, take advantage of opportunities and see things that you maybe wouldn't see if you were to choose to, to not travel without yeah. other people. Um, but but it, it can be difficult, you know, because as a female, you, you just don't always feel safe. And traveling alone, and you do have to to work through some, um, I guess, yeah, uh, uncomfortable perks. You know, <laughs> I just 
I guess, again, that's, you know, I feel I shouldn't have to adapt my itinerary. Like, when I'm traveling, I like to work, work in a little itinerary and things that I'm really interested in seeing. And I do now that I travel quite a lot, I, I do feel, I do notice that I'm adapting it to, to suit my gender. Um, and I know that I shouldn't have to do that. Um, but that's that's one of those parks that I guess I don't tend to speak about because it then tarnishes those adventures or holidays mm. or trips because you you always speak about the highlights of your holiday and how much you've enjoyed them and how much of amazing time you've had um, traveling around um, Asia, I guess, on my own. Um, but there are some times where you think. I do actually remember that time where I felt unsafe or I do actually remember that time where, you know, a group of people made me feel uncomfortable or, um, but I think, again, I think that, that fear of losing the confidence to, to travel alone is, is much greater than those for me. Yeah. Um, is, is more, more daunting, I guess. And I think that's something that we need to consider as being part of being a woman in today's society. And, you know, that kind of thing pushes us. And as you're saying, you know, pushes you to travel more. And that's paving the way for women in the future to travel without these uncomfortable perks. Yeah, I do. I think that we need to... I always I tend to get quite frustrated at myself over I guess the lack of lack of assertiveness um, because I always feel quite uncomfortable um, almost out of politeness I don't want to make someone else feel uncomfortable yeah um, and I can I find myself become I find myself getting frustrated because. I know in order to make progress, we then need to challenge those behaviours that do make us feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess that's probably something that I need to work on um, because I know that not only for myself, but for other women who are then travelling on their own. Yeah. Um, and I think that comes yeah. right full circle back to what you said at the start about you know we're all unique but we all are bound by this thing of being a woman and we all support each other and that's exactly what you're doing by traveling on your own supporting other women to do the same yeah I think you know if you are able to encourage other women to to travel alone or not even travel alone but you know try new things they don't need to to be with someone else to, to give something a new go they could um you know find out a new hobby or um get involved in another group or something and um, yeah. by themselves they don't need to you don't necessarily always need to be with someone to do something um if you have the, the confidence to to discover something yourself i think that can be, be quite elaborating um, and rewarding experience. Oh, absolutely! And the the feeling of liberation is, is you know, just yeah. one of the most amazing feelings, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Oh wow! Well, women are amazing. That's always my conclusion <laughs> of all of these podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> no, I definitely agree. Yeah, definitely agree. 
I hope everyone agrees by the end of the podcast series. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for speaking to me and being on the podcast. Thank you for your time. And thank you so much for bearing with with the technology. (laughs) It's not always our friend. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm very excited we've been able to do the first virtual podcast and hopefully we can do lots more. You've paved the way for me to record lots of other women, so that's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely look forward to listening to the future podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. And thank you for being on. Um, I hope you've all enjoyed listening to the Virago that is Rachel. Mm-hmm.